0: What's happening, people, and welcome back to Park Lane Podcast, episode number 20. Uh, This is going to be a very somber show today with uh, the lackluster, disappointing, and disgusting performance from Tottenham Hotspur (laughs) over the past week. Uh, There is a hell of a lot of us to talk about, so uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, Joined today by our co host, Harry. Harry, how are you doing?
1: I'm very good, thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi, Luke. Uh, Nice to be here again.
0: Yeah, good to have you again, Harry. I think at some point Dave will be dropping in. <laughs> so uh, be prepared for that as he's got a lot to talk about. And he's uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, let's let's crack on. You know, Before we do, though, obviously get the uh, admin out of the way. You know, if you're new to the channel, don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel. It is free to subscribe. It does really help us out. And if you're watching um, in the future, then don't forget to watch the video all the way through because that really, really does help us reach more people. Lastly, if you're listening to us on any podcasting platform, don't forget to follow and leave a five-star review. So, Harry, let's kick this show off with uh, a bit of chat about Arsenal. Now, we sat here last week and we talked about things that we wanted to see from Spurs, and we saw absolutely none of it. Um, Give me, first of all, kind of your thoughts immediately after the arsenal game like what were you thinking what were you feeling
1: uh, i wasn't happy obviously because i don't think especially that first half i don't think we turned up and i don't think even towards the end of the game i don't think we gave enough to get anything out of that game for arsenal were very very good and we didn't they didn't do anything the things that we spoke about before the game but part of me kind of ex- expected that with us knowing how we performed in the first half and we're a bit better in the second half, but not enough to get anything out of the game. And the reality is Arsenal came to us and they, they completely dominated and that's not acceptable not to turn up for a whole half and more than that uh, in a North London derby.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. You know, my point as a Spurs fan, right, is I've always said this and it, it might kind of sound a bit like odd, but like for me, As long as the team turns up week in, week out, as long as we see fight, desire, passion and effort from a Spurs team, right? Yeah. Like, I can understand if we lose, right? I can understand if, you know what, like something happens and we happen to just lose the game, but we really fought till the very, very last minute. I can accept it. But I really can't accept, like, the standard of football that we see at the moment. And the lack of, you know, just desire and fight from this nice. team, like yeah. they seem beaten before the games even started. Yeah, very true. Um, so, I want to quickly talk about like Antonio Conte just for a few minutes. Like I know we always talk about it, but like one of the things that I really dislike about this Spurs team at the moment is exactly that. You know, the fact that they never seem to be up for. A game they never seem to be raring to go, they just don't ever seem to be asked. And like for me, that's part of the job of the manager, the head coach, the whatever you want to call them, right? That's part of the job. They need to be fired up for the game. Absolutely. And they need to know, you know, this is look, let's let's not talk too much about Arsenal. But I don't know if you the only episode of the All Or Nothing that I watched was the episode that um we beat Arsenal, right? In in the documentary, but I do remember there was a clip before the game at the Emirates where they brought in, I can't even remember who it was, a photographer or someone into the gate into the dressing room to do the pre match talk. And he, you know, he sold it to them about how he was a lifelong Spurs fan and he knows what it's like to be a fan, and you know, and it really got everybody up for it. I'm not saying we need to do that, but there needs to be some kind of motivation before these games because the fans turn out in their thousands and show more passion and more effort than the squad do before the game. So, like, why can't Antonio Conte get this team up for a
1: game? it's just a good question. And North London derby is the biggest game of the season, you know, whether you like it or not, it really is. Uh, and not to turn up for a whole half. Is, it's, just, it's just not acceptable. And sh- Surely he speaks to the players where well, you would have thought before the game, you know, getting them up and ready for it. But it seems they need his half-time team talk. But even in that second half, although I thought we were better, we didn't really show enough even to have a chance to get back into the game. We, we missed some big opportunities, but it was still wasn't enough for a North London derby for me. It's a good question, no, de-
0: though. Definitely. And, like, the stats, like, and I'm not big stat person, but the stats definitely lie. Because Spurs had more shots, more shots on target, I think more touches in the opposition box, more uh just slightly under the under Arsenal's expected goals. And yet if you watch if you read the stats, you would think, How did Spurs lose that game? If you yeah. the game, you'd think how did Arsenal like not score five or six?
1: Yeah, they look more likely to score. That's what stats doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you who who's looking the most likely on the ball and who's, you know, kind of creating more chances or in a dangerous position because, you know, Arsenal, they could have won that game. Only thing grateful for is they didn't go on and completely batter us in the second half. It, you know, it could have been a rugby score that in the end. So kept it at 2-0. It's still not good enough, but at least it wasn't a rugby score.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about the turning points in the game. So obviously the first point to talk about is is Hugo Lloris, you know, and I hate bashing Lloris because I think, you know, what an incredible goalkeeper he is. But you look back at the recent World Cup, did you see any fumbles, any mistakes, any issues from from him in that tournament? I don't remember any, you know, clangers like that. Yet the past two games, I would say, he's made, you know, two mistakes
1: yeah i'm not i'm not going to i'm not making an excuse for him but i do think that with france as i said you touched on this last week last weekend but he does have a better defence i think with the french national team in front of him um, but that doesn't you know that's, that's no excuse for those mistakes I, I i think it's also a lack of trust between the defence and the goalkeeper working both ways but some of the mistakes he's made like uh, that first goal against us, that should never go in but even odegaard's go outside the box if you look at his starting position you look what Odegaard is when he takes that shot you, i don't think you see that going in against edison or alisson personally and then more mistakes obviously on um, Thursday night against uh, city as well so he's look a lot for answer for i'm grateful for his service but it is time which we should have done already but should be looking for a long term replacement cuz i'm grateful for his service but he can't keep making these mistakes in in our biggest games city and arsenal it's not it's not a small game it's our biggest games and he's making a more than one mistake at the moment every game. And for a captain also, it's not acceptable. You've got to lead by example.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, and that's it. Like Spurs, I think, need to be really careful, though, in who they then go for as a lorry Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, you've got go. to be both very careful.
0: But at the same time, they need to start acting on it because yeah. we can't continue to have... You know, goalkeepers are always that position whereby they make one mistake and it's crucial. You know, it really does turn the game. You know, if a defender misses a tackle, sometimes it can be saved by the goalkeeper or there can be other things done. But you know, with a goalkeeper, if they fumble the ball into the back of the net, um, there's there's not really much you can do to, to, to come back from that. Um, So just quickly, because a good friend of mine, uh, Jay has put a comment in. Now I was going to wait until we talk a bit more about transfers, but he's, He's in Singapore at the moment, so I don't want to, uh, you know, leave him out in case he has to go. So he said, Harry came to Man United for 80 million this summer. Thoughts? So I'll come to you first, Harry, because I think a lot of Spurs fans now are resigned to the fact that Harry Kane more than likely will go in the summer. I would say this is probably the, the only time that I actually believe that he will go. Um, 80 million for somebody who has I think at that point he'll only have what 12 months left on his contract
1: yeah I think it's about 12 months yeah
0: what what would you say if Man United came in 80 million up front right <laughs> what do you think Spurs will do
1: it's a good question um probably play hardball and probably try to negotiate for a little bit more um yeah, obviously, I do I do think he will leave in the summer, I've got to be honest. And you can't blame him. He's, why would he say at club, um, you know, when he can go and win trophies, um, you know, whether it's in England or in Spain or, you know, in France, in another country, as you can't really blame him for that. I think he'll want to break, beat um, Jimmy Greaves' record, obviously, before moving on, but he might stay in the Premier League and want to beat Shearer's record. Um, obviously, if he does leave, I hope he goes outside the Premier League, but... I think it's it's, it's realistic going Man United. They need a centre forward. They got Weghorst. that will do them to the end of the season, but they need a proper centre forward like City have in Haaland, like we had in Kane. Um, personally, I'd want to keep him. I would say no to United for eighty million. I value him a little bit higher than that. But I would, um, if Kane does stay, obviously you've got to get in a new contract to start with. But as I spoke to you before, I'd like to see Kane being dropped to the deeper uh, midfield role. If he does stay Tottenham for the long term, um, you know, obviously he hasn't got the pace. I'd like to see him also in um, midfield. So I hope we keep him. I would turn down United. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he left this summer. I can see him leaving.
0: Yeah, definitely. So the, what I read this week was that Spurs value... For an English side to buy him, they still value him at a hundred million. So I think that that price is different. If the likes of Bayern Munich come in for Harry Kane, I think the price is slightly different. Now I don't know why, because I suppose it's because they don't want to sell him to an English club. But yeah. as you say, you know, I think that I think he bre- bre- breaks Jimmy Green's record anyway. Like very soon, yeah. Um, Unless he gets and, an
1: injury, you'd have thought so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because well, he's only a few goals off now.
1: I think he's one behind, isn't
0: he? Yeah, I think he's one behind, so it's two goals to... Yeah, he'll do beat. that. I should do that. So he then becomes Spurs' all-time leading goal scorer.
1: He um, won that before he leaves.
0: Yeah, and then um, it would be likely that he would want to stay in the Premier League, I believe. This is where mm. on my mind is tricky, right? Because he would want to stay in the Premier League because obviously he wants to win the record but I think he also wants to, you know... As people say, oh, it doesn't really matter because it's not a trophy. If you you know, go to your deathbed, right? And you are known as the leading goal scorer of all time in the Premier League. That's a, that's a big accolade to have, right? But yeah. he also will want to win a trophy. So I can see that happening. But, um, you know, it's it's then who Spurs bring in. You know, even if we got 100 million, it's then who do we bring in?
1: We've got the uh, chance in.
0: Yeah, but Richarlison's not going to score you 25 goals a season, which Harry Kane
1: Probably not. Probably not.
0: So, we, you know, we need, you know, getting rid of Harry Kane and bringing in, like, I'm just going to use an example, right, as a James Madison, right, and then have uh, someone behind Richarlison. Richarlison scored zero Premier League goals this season. Like, you know, he's been injured, and I, you know, and I understand that, but to sit there and be like, oh, don't worry, because we've got Richarlison is, like, a very, very, very poor club mentality, and it will be very, very detrimental to the football club, I believe, if we don't bring in a, okay. yeah, a top quality striker. Um, Frankie's uh, off today again, but he'll be soon as possible. So it's interesting, but let's move on and go back to um Arsenal because you know want to give kind of plaudits we did uh you know slag Hugo Loris off but you know the one player that did perform well in that game was uh the Arsenal goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale because he did make two or three good saves in the second half. Yeah and people are saying you know the game could have changed and you know if we'd have scored one goal you never know what might happen. But True. You know, we still didn't show enough uh, in the uh, you know latter stage of the pitch, did we? To compete? No, I don't think we showed enough. Yeah, we had a
1: few chances. I thought errors of was fantastic, and people say I do believe one of those goals gone in, it could have been a different game. But overall, in those ninety minutes, we didn't give enough to even get a point out of that game. Arsenal were the better team. They came here with a game plan and they delivered it. And I'll continue to say that we came probably came with a good game plan, but it wasn't executed. That that first half is always going to be hard. To get back into it. We're gonna need a bit of luck. We needed a Ramsdale mistake, but Ramsdale was on his best form and everything went right for Arsenal. And it just perhaps we could have had luck on our side a bit, but overall we didn't give enough to deserve anything out of the game. And I think two 0 was probably a fair reflection on that game.
0: Yeah. I think I definitely think that you know the last last thoughts on this on this game, because I definitely think that um the game was lost in midfield, and I seriously believe that it was naive of Antonio Conte. To go with a midfield two against, and you know what? I'm going to give them plaudits because I don't rate you know two out of the three in their midfield, but I genuinely believe that this season, because everybody else is rubbish, that Arsenal's midfield three is probably the best midfield in the Premier League at this moment in time, yeah. And to allow the three against two of ours, not to mention that one of the two is making his what Premier League start, yeah, maybe you know. Um it's it's mind blowing to think that Antonio Conde thought that we could still win this game, even knowing that, you know, that midfield three will uh you know will 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 be able to be overtaken by our midfield two.
1: Yeah, I'd just like to say on that, if you don't mind, I think that Arsenal for their midfield three, you've got to remember they have the right balance. They have the defensive unit in Xhaka, which is our equivalent to Hoiberg. I would say Hoiberg's as good as, if not better. Um, Arsenal's Thomas parties, like our Benton core, creative player, do rate him, I'd say they're on par. But the difference is they have Odegaard, who's a creative player. That's where we missed out on the opportunity to try and sign like Ericsson on a free, or try and sign Madison in the summer, because that was the difference in the midfield. They had an extra man, but they had an extra, a very good man in midfield in Odegaard, which was was the difference in the game. We played with three in midfield and had that the creative midfielder. I mean, he might have worked with us playing three in midfield, but it would have been three fairly defensive bodies, whereas Arsenal have that right balance in midfield of defensive, exciting and going forwards. They have the, right, the midfield, was crucial in that. And it is in almost every game that Arsenal play because they've got the balance in midfield, whereas we haven't because of the like, investment.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, quick points on, uh, what did you think of Sars' performance against Arsenal? I felt like he was probably the most comfortable person on the ball. I felt like he was probably the calmest out of everybody. You know, yeah. A lot of people said to me they didn't see a lot from him, but I think that what he did, you know, you've got to give him a bit of credit because, you know, to compete against that midfield pretty much on your own is gonna be difficult. But I felt like in tight spaces he did well with the ball. I yeah. felt like he distributed the ball well. And as I said, I think he was he was very calm. So quickly, what were your thoughts on on Sar's performance?
1: Very impressive. I, you know, I really like him. I really do. I thought he didn't put foot wrong in that midfield and in occasion didn't get to him either. And he was he was um Probably our best man in midfield. Let's be honest. He led by example at a young age. Didn't put foot wrong. Calm. You know, didn't that occasion get to him. And I would say, probably our best player on the pitch. He, he, I can't remember him getting anything wrong. He got everything right. Um, so he was the the spark out of that game. It was a good thing out of that game that he was. Uh, showing good signs, it's promising, but I thought he didn't put foot wrong. So impressed with him against Arsenal, such a big game. North London Derby to come into to start, and he didn't put foot wrong. and He's very, very impressive. Hopefully, got pat on the back after the game.
0: Yeah, you would, you would hope so. Because you know, as I said, I don't think you could slate him, you know, he deserve to be on the losing team either, exactly. Being brought into that that kind of game. Um, and I felt like he gave a good account of himself, probably the only player that did. Um, There is some transfer chat in the comment section, so keep that coming in, and we will get to that uh, very soon. There's one point I did want to talk about, but I wanted to wait for Dave, so we will wait for him in case he does turn up. And still um, hiding. <laughs> huh?
1: He's still hiding.
0: <laughs> exactly, still hiding from you, Harry. He doesn't want to have a debate with you. but uh, No, he doesn't like it. <laughs> let's move on to Thursday night, because Thursday night was a kind of, whirlwind of a match in terms of we did the complete opposite in what we usually do um you know so for those that missed it Spurs ended up losing 4-2 to Man City on uh Thursday night and do you know what the Etihad isn't a bad place for Spurs to go is it or even Man City in general I think that you know over the last few years we've had a pretty decent run of games against Man City and uh you know Come the end of the first half Spurs surprisingly were two 0 up and you know you started thinking do you know what what was weird about this game is I tweeted just before and I said like this is like the only game that I've ever seen that I don't really care about for Spurs because I was really really torn and a few of my friends were torn as well where oh everyone day. was saying like we don't want to win because it means that Man City lose ground and Arsenal but we don't want to lose because you don't want to see your team lose like before not, yeah. we move on to like how we performed, like what were your thoughts before the game? Did you have those conflicting thoughts in your brain?
1: Yeah, I, I told myself that I wasn't bothered, and obviously my main priority now is that Arsenal don't go on and win the title because uh, I can't see us getting top four. So I, I looked at that, and went, you know, obviously I want us to win, but if we don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here crying about it. You know, that City winning or you know even get a point there that will help them in their um, race to catch Arsenal, but it all of a sudden got to me after the game because we, we were 2-0 up at half-time and I was, I was, you know, my whole mentality and thoughts changed going 2-0 up and I was like, come on, you can win this. But typical Spurs, individual mistakes cost us in the second half more than the performance itself. it was As a team, it was individual um, mistakes it was co- which actually, I think, cost us more than the way we play in the second half.
0: Yeah, definitely, because as you say, like the first half was a little bit cagey. Spurs played all right, you know, kept Man City at bay. You know, especially when they had two up, up front with uh, Haaland and Alvarez. And, yeah. uh, you know, there was a few changes to their team. There was no, you know, they do change their team a lot. And I started to think maybe Pep Guardiola had already decided the title was done and just decided to rotate. You know, no Kevin De Bruyne, no Jao Cancelo.
1: I think he was experimenting. And,
0: yeah. And Spurs decided to um, to finally turn up. You know, they pressed high up the pitch, which we haven't seen in a long time.
1: Benton called that nicking it. Exactly. Was, was Won
0: the ball back. And, uh, you know, Kulisevski got us 1-0 up. And as you say, he started thinking, hello, we're about to go in. Hello, uh, yeah, we're in this. <laughs> yeah, we're about to go in front at the Etihad once again at half-time. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden after that, we score again on the stroke of half-time and we're 2 nil up. And there were boos at the Etihad, which I've never yeah. heard in my life. No, what, no. Like,
1: how did you think that first half went? impressive i thought you know we were okay i thought we'd done the done the basics well basically it wasn't it wasn't our best half obviously of the season but we were okay and we we capitalized on city's mistakes and we're actually we we caused those mistakes because we like pressing them high and you know so it's quite impressive going in two nil at half time you know it's not bad at all you know you wouldn't have thought you were in a comfortable position and you know obviously city you know Expertons come back in the game, Lux of Haaland got De Bruyne Foden on the bench. But felt confident that you know we can get definitely at least get something out of the game. It was a very good first half, and you would have thought you know the outcome would have been different.
0: Definitely. Um, you know, half time comes, and, and usually this is what confuses me, because usually Antonio Conte, you would assume, is the man who has something to you know shout about, talk to them about, say, so. you know. <laughs> Get your act together, you know. Let's go out in the second half and let's you know fight. Yeah. What happened was, <laughs> it seemed to me like he didn't really know what to do because no. we weren't losing and we weren't drawing, but we were winning. And then all of a sudden, you know, they come out in the second half, and within eighteen minutes, I think it was, it was, uh, it was two two, and, and you started thinking, Christ, here we go again. Yeah. What What were your thoughts, you know, at the point where? Uh, you know, when Spurs are 2-2, two, 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 you know, 15 minutes into the second half.
1: Yeah, well, I, I went out to make myself a cup of tea. I missed City's first goal, actually. <laughs> the second half, I was like, oh, God, here we go again. Obviously, it was a bit of a mistake, a mix-up between uh, Lloris and the defence. I thought, here we go again. But I reckon Conte just said at half-time, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, you know, put in the player's mind. What do we usually do? Oh, individual mistakes, you know, give, give away goals. So that's probably what they've done. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jay said, uh, amazing to hear booze at the empty hat." impressive voice for the 20,000 fans. <laughs> um, yeah. A few other people are joining us this morning, so Holly Agambar has joined us as well, so good morning, Holly. Morning. Um, and uh, yeah, if you are watching, don't forget to get your comments and thoughts in, or even just say hi. Um So yeah, 2-2, two, he two, started thinking, oh, do you know what, let's just... um Hold on for a point. Yeah, hold on. Let's just get a point and let's just move on. You know, a point against City, I'd have taken that, you know, every day of the week.
1: Taking it from the start, absolutely, yeah.
0: Exactly. And then all of a sudden, Perisic gets beat by um, Mares, and then Mares, you know, gets a better Ben Davis, shoots and creeps in at the near post to Hugo Lloris. And again, another mistake from our World Cup-winning captain. And, you know, when you have a captain like that, and, I, you know, I don't want this to be a 100% bashing of Lloris, but when you have a captain like that, it doesn't really send the best message to the rest of your team, does
1: it? No, it doesn't. You've got to lead by example, and that shouldn't be going in at his near post. I mean, it's, it's a good shot from Mara, As you said, took on Paris Dave. He's done well, but, you know, Larice surely could see him from a mile away. There's, there's no excuse he couldn't see it. He, perfect view of it and it's the goalkeeper your job is to protect uh the near post and he just didn't do that for whatever reason and that shouldn't be going in you know lorice lorice start the season the last season that, that won't be going in
0: no 100 and frankie's also said hugo has to go um at this point i'm gonna bring in dave dave in his car let's see how his wi-fi is dave how you doing
2: what's going on boys we well
1: Hi, yeah, dave yeah, we're
0: good
2: how are you sorry about the uh the car and the small screen but i can't tell the right? phone the other way <laughs> yeah um, but i'm i'm still at work so apologies i'm
0: not there no 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 it's absolutely fine it's so right? uh, i want to first of all get your thoughts uh I won't keep you too long dave if you don't want to be um i've got i've got 15 minutes mate it's fine all right mate uh so
2: i'm on a break so
0: oh perfect so um let's talk about uh Hugo Lloris to start with we have already discussed the Arsenal game and we've already discussed City but I want to know your thoughts about both games and about how crucial it is that Spurs make the right choice when you know selecting their new first team goalkeeper or first choice goalkeeper.
2: Okay so um, where do I
0: start really with you guys? Jesus Christ look
2: great thank you for the 11 years or whatever it is you've been at our club I'm very happy that you've, you've been here so long. I'm sorry you didn't want to throw The The reality of it is, is that um, he's been terrible. Terrible. Mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. I read a stat that before the City game, he'd been at fault for four of our goals conceded. So his mistake was four of them goals. Now, I include the Arsenal, uh, the City game in that because he got beat at his near post. Yeah. Um, I, obviously against Arsenal, that was the fifth mistake. The, um, the sack across or whatever it was. Even the and I, per- I personally think he should have saved Odegaard's shot as well. Yeah. So it was a P-roller along the floor. There's no way he should not be getting there. Um, yeah. I think that you know, there's been rumours coming about about him having this World Cup hangover. Oh, I've got a piss off, mate. You play via national team in a World Cup. What do you mean a hangover from the World Cup? We're getting a hangover from your performances every week. Like, the back, the defence, the problem is we can see so many goals, but a lot of that stems from him because he doesn't give the defence in front of him, as shit as they are, any confidence. Yeah, Belief. The first five five minutes against Arsenal, we started all right. We looked all right. Yeah. And then the ball gets to Hugo. He nearly gets closed down by Incaia and nearly loses the ball. Then obviously he makes a mistake for the first goal. The second goal came from his goal kick or his clearance straight back because he can't kick a ball to save his life as a keeper. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you know we know he's poor with his feet, but we've been saying this as Spurs fans. I mean, look, I've been on this channel what eighteen months now. And I've been saying the whole time, Hugo's time's up. He makes too many stakes, mistakes. He's not good enough with his feet. He's a reckless. Every team knows he's got a rick in him these days. Do you know what I mean? Every team knows he's got a mistake in him. So they target that and they use that. He can't. He's not commanding. He doesn't command the box, even mm-hmm. against City. When he flapped. You know, I think it was City's first goal. It might have been or second goal. Yeah. When. And he done that stupid Superman dive He's not commanding Doesn't take control of the situation at all And he, he strikes fear In the defenders in front of him And the defenders in front of him are poor I get that They are poor But when you are at fault for so many goals So consistently You have to know your time is up um, If you want my opinion on who we should be looking at next um, I personally would look at The obvious ones Sanchez of Brighton David Ryer. And Leverkowicz, they're the three keepers that I would look at. I like, I, I'm not, I like Pickford, but if you get Everton's Pickford, he's average. You know, he's like Maguire. You get him for England, he's unbelievable. You get him for his club and he, he, he's a walking disaster. So I'm not a fan of Pickford as good as he is with his feet. You know, I, I do think he's too small. Um, so I think we need to to really, really push on from... The cheap deals, which, which is never going to happen as we know, because we've got Daniel Levy in charge of the club and he bid 12 million for Trossard like it was 2003.
0: No, yeah, I get you, and that's a good point, actually. Is I want to kind of go around the table and, and, and discuss you know those goalkeeping options because one of you know the option that I've been screaming out for a long time, and you know, and it, he may still not be the right fit, but I still believe that there's a deal to be had with United for Dean Henderson. Um, yeah, you know, and I think yeah. that he's a young goalkeeper and he could be a, a Hugo long term replacement. I think that financially that one works. I also think that Raya works. I think that, yeah. um, potentially Sanchez works financially, whether Brighton will, will sell based on you know who they're already selling, uh, because they could end up selling Moise Caicedo as well. Um, but I just don't believe Harry. That financially the Pickford deal works. I think that he costs too much money for a yep. keeper. That, as you say, Dave, if he if we get England's Pickford, top draw. If we get yep. Everton's, you know, Pickford, we get T Rex arms. What are your thoughts, yep. Harry?
1: I, I like Pickford personally. I, I would uh, disagree on the average. Bit. I think he's better than average, but. Um, I think the price tag is high and I can't see it happening uh, with Spurs. We're more than likely to go for someone like Dean Henderson. I can't see Brighton selling Sanchez either. But um, yeah, personally, would look at, like you said, Luke, uh, with Dean Henderson. You've got David Reyes, another one. Melier for Leeds, don't forget. Uh, but the best financial... I don't know I I, even Melier,
2: he, he makes too many mistakes as well. He's another one that makes loads of mistakes. The issue with the Dean Henderson thing is, is we're competing with Man United. Why are they going to strengthen us?
0: Yeah, yeah, I understand, but then, but then the likelihood, as we discussed this earlier, is that you know I believe United come in for Harry Kane, and there could be something yeah. done, you know, with that. The thing is, with Dean Henderson, is he actively wants out of Man United due to the failed promises that they have given him before. Yeah, you know that's why he went on loan. Okay. You know yeah. because he was told he would be number <laughs> one. You know he was told stay. You know and you will play, and uh, you know he. uh he hasn't. So I can see a deal being done because he wants to be a number one goalkeeper in a Premier League team. Um, it's going to be very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, this will, will roll on for a long time because I don't think we even start to look at it until the summer. And then even yeah. then, um, depends who's a manager of Spurs, depends who's even who's the owner of Spurs, you know.
2: Depends who, whether Parateach is in jail or not. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's that's, that's another talking point, but uh, forgetting about that exactly. But, um, you know, while you've still got a few more minutes, Dave, I want to bring up um, a recent tweet that you sent out. So, I'm going to paraphrase because I can't remember the exact tweet, but it was something I can tell you the exact tweet if you want. What does what does Heuberg do right? Because, no, it was.
2: Tell tell me what you tell me what Hoiberg does right, and I'll call you a liar.
0: Okay, and I feel like you're going to call Harry a liar. So Harry, first of all, what does Hoiberg do right?
1: I've got a lot to say. Uh, you need a Hoiberg for a start in every team. Every team has someone like Hoiberg. Arsenal with Xhaka. Um, don't tell me that Xhaka's better than Hoiberg. Hoiberg has good odds, if not better. And You need someone who does the defensive jobs that Hoiberg does. And if anyone's going to create something for me. Uh, when Benson's injured, it is Hoiberg. And i said say score is definitely our most important midfielder. But Hoiberg does a lot right. And you've got to remember, he saves us this season in big games. Like at Stamford Bridge, he started the comeback. Champions League, important goals. He's popping up with more goals and more assists this season. They've actually got stats here. He played 19 matches for us this season. Four goals, two assists. And like I said, start the comeback against Chelsea, He's a big game, big game player as well. And as our best player, don't forget, under Mourinho, he's consistently done it under lots of different managers. And I can't see where you're coming from, Dave. I agree with a lot that you said, but I think you've uh, had a bit of a nightmare. Okay. This so, one. Uh, a couple wait, wait, of questions for you, Harry.
0: Let me jump in all right, first. All right. so, so, I'll be the moderator in this. So, um, I just Harry, want to pick up I, on the no, points he, did, he
2: said before I forget. Yeah,
0: he did not know <laughs> those stats. So, you know, he definitely missed, you know, come up with a few more assists, a few more uh, goals. You know, this season 19 games, four goals, two assists. Not bad for a defensive midfielder. But Dave, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on those?
2: I got some stats too, boys. I'll go on, yeah. Right. So, uh, Harry, what's Hoiberg's position?
1: I would say defensive midfielder, obviously he isn't playing okay. in that position, but uh, no, no. he's very well, good on, on. at defensive midfielder, he's very good defensive midfielder, Okay, position? What, what he's playing out of position. What's his position? Best position defensive midfielder if you played in that. Where's he
2: playing for Tottenham?
1: Central midfield, out of positions, that's why he does even better.
2: What formation do we play?
1: Well, play, play, obviously playing with the back three, so it sometimes could be three, a 3 5 two. Usually 3-4-3, so, three, three, though. With a 3-5-2, OK,
2: you have three defenders, two yeah. holding midfielders. Those holding midfielders, one of them is always Hojviag. Now, do you want to talk about stats? How long's Casemiro been in the Premier League? Not long. He's been good. Okay, I, I put so, in Hang on, in let, let me finish. Here. Let me finish. Um, How many, uh, if I said to you right now, tackles one... How many tackles would you expect 19 games into a season a defensive midfielder to have made in a team like Tottenham that concede as many goals as we do and sit on the back, sit, sit back? How many tackles? What per game? Give me a
1: rough average per game. I'm not going to give you a number, but I'm going to say it's going to be a lot. But I think we've got to compare the stats and consider how bad that we actually to. are. And you've got to 20, remember the, Hoiberg, the team 20, around him as well.
2: 20, you've got... 20 tackles a game. 20 tackles a game. Okay, yeah. so Hoiberg Tackle percentage, tackles one this season, 24. In the whole season? In the whole season. Casemiro has been in the Premier League for not that long. He's in a, he a better team though, Dave. He's
1: in a better
2: he's, team. On, better no, no. Players so, around but him. no. But you're, but you're, but you're missing the he point. He's doing. I know, but you're missing the point. He's a defensive
1: midfielder. Playing out, position. Okay, job. Okay, if, playing out of position. If, Casemiro if, plays if... in his position, in his natural position for United, but Hojbeg's playing out of position and doing the same job that Casemiro does. He's, he's not, not playing better. out of position. He's playing in front of the defence. But let, let me, finish he's the playing
2: me finish, Let me finish. Let me finish. Oh. Let me finish. Let me finish. OK, so um, another thing that... Obviously, you want to talk about Casemiro. He's playing for a better team. If you look at stats, right, if you go from the top of the table, the very top team, so Arsenal, for example, yeah, uh, with Xhaka and with Partey in their midfield, their stats for tackles should be a lot... Hang on, no, no. Tackles, top of the league. Tackles for... Let me finish. Let me we're finish. We're I know they are. This is what I'm saying. We're Don't get to the point. Let me get to the point. Huh? So, Xhaka and Partey, top of the league, their percentage of tackles, the amount of tackles they make, will be a lot lower... Then a team lower down the league, right? Yeah. Because that the a team lower down the league does more defending. Team lower down the league does more dog work. They sit in more, right? We don't play fast attacking football. We sit in. We sit in with banks of five or a bank of a bank a, a bank of four. Okay. Now, what I want to say about um, Højbjerg is you talk about percentage, the percentage in the numbers. He runs the least in our team. Okay? Fact. His pass stats, they're not that great. He'll take a long pass and he'll kick it straight out of play. Okay? that's We've seen that so many times. I'd, I'll tell you two things that Hojbjerg's good at. Pointing at people and beating his chest.
1: We need that. You need someone to point and lead by example. Okay. One more question for you. Look at the you. Around him, though, Dave. I'm going to continue to say that. Look at the players around him. He's out okay, of yeah, position. He's a leader. What, 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 we what, do a lot of defending, that's why he doesn't do as much running. What's his job? Well, well a defensive midfielder. He's not. That's his job. Yeah, yeah, I know. If, but look, look, he's creative stats: four goals and two assists. I okay, can't so if, what, if I, job. I'll
2: give you an example. If I was doing my job right and. I was doing a lot less work than the other guy does exactly the same job as me. Not in your I give everybody though. encouragement and I cheer everybody on and I cheer everybody that. up.
1: Yeah, you need, need that. that.
2: Okay, so tell me who's out of the top four teams right now, Arsenal, yeah. City, um, Newcastle and United. In their teams, who is he better than than their midfielders?
1: Well, I, I think Hoyt Big's better than Jacker for a start. Newcastle... Um, obviously, have Gilmour. I wouldn't call him a defensive midfielder, but Casemiro plays in the right position for Man United. He's got a world-class team around him. Whether United fans like it or not, they've got an, in, now an invested team full of world-class players. It's got Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes next to him. But why does that got, matter in defensive got... tackles? Oh, it matters the team you've got around him, and look at the defence. He has a lot of responsibility to do when you have a defence like we have, and Conte doesn't play in the right position. But look at Under Mourinho. Again, I would say probably our best player. I know you've got Solomon Kane, but Hoyberg what I would say was the most important player.
2: One of the most important players, Under Mourinho, I'll give you that. He was good under Mourinho. I'm not going to seriously say he wasn't, because he was. But Very the reality good. of it is, the reality of it is Hoyberg this season apart from those two goals he chipped in against Chelsea and against Marseille, I think it was, for a player in his position, for a player in his position, statistically, is one of the poorest in the league. And that's fact. You can look it up yourself. You can look at tackle percentage. Tackles one, Jewels won. Aerial duels one pass completion, etc. You can look at all of that. Under Marino, he was good. He was quite progressive. He used to bring the ball out and play it off nice and simple. You can't use the argument that Casemiro is surrounded by all these great players because it doesn't matter whether he's surrounded by 10 dustmen. His job is to be a defensive
1: midfielder. It doesn't matter who's you know, around him. Is, his job but Casemiro would trust his, his, his back four and he would trust his manager, and he would trust his midfield. But then um, he'd be doing less than hoyberg if
2: he trusted them. He'd be doing less than hoyberg if he trusted them because he'd be like, I oh, don't worry, they got this. Yeah, but the should be them, running around like a maniac, like, I don't trust my season. back four. I can't let Lloris face a shot. I need to get that ball. I need to chase that ball. I put a picture in our group chat, did you see it, about um, no. Arsenal's, second, Arsenal's second goal, right? Martin Odegaard picks up the ball from the edge of the box. The whole picture, right? Hoiberg is just coming into our half. He's a defensive midfielder. What, what the hell he must have got a nosebleed being that being that far up. But you know, like I said, yeah. stats back it up and opinion on the tweet based on the re- the reaction to the tweet, there is a lot more people that agree with me than there is you.
1: Right. That's the sports. problem of our fan base though. Because you get yeah, getting rid of an important player. Every team has to have a Hoiberg. Arsenal have a Njaka. And don't tell me the Jack is fantastic because I'm not I having any he, I would the rather Jack have winners. Average. I what? would rather have winners. Winners.
2: I don't care really? if you try hard. If you're not... I mean, Eric Dier tries really hard. He's still shit. Emerson Royale spent a million quid on lessons about how to be a better,
1: better footballer. Tries up. He steps up when needs it most and he he steps forward like you call him out of position there. Because he's if he's playing that defensive midfield role, then he but that yes. would be a problem. But listen, 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 he's playing next to Bentoncore, which is I in think a 3-5-2. Well, not really, it's more of a 3-4-3, three, three, to be honest. Okay, but he's
2: playing next to Benton Bentancourt obviously be forward yes. a lot more and is more progressive, which means Hoyberg should be deeper playing as like a, a holding midfielder. Like a, like well, they kind of play next to Jack each up. other. Jacket. And one more stat I did find as well. Just really quickly. One more stat I did find. One more stat. Quickly, let me finish. Kaisado for Brighton. Very good, yeah. I'm not even good going player. to tell you. But good look at his stats compared to Hoyberg's.
1: He's a good player. Also in a good team that's doing very well at the moment. In a better place as a club than His stats should be worse because he's in a better team. If you're in a worse
2: team, you should be tackling more, heading more, winning more balls. You know, to only win 24 tackles 19 games into the season, that's like just over one tackle a game. It has to say, done no, it
1: consistently for Brighton, season in, season out. No, has Hoiberg done it consistently for Tottenham? I would say so. I would say so. Under Maria, even under Nuno, when we're struggling, he also stepped up, and I think he's been given a different role in terms of creativity, and he started to come back against Chelsea. And I will stick to that, and gets important goals. I don't, I don't think he's been fantastic this season. I'm going to be honest. I think he was better last season, and even the season before hasn't And I think Benton calls the more important midfielder. But my point is, and I continue to say, every team needs Hoiberg. Arsenal have Shaka, who's I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I think Hoybig's better, but and he's working at Arsenal because they have the right midfield balance. We don't have that creativity. Whereas Hoiberg, every team needs a Hoyberg. To be honest with you, uh, and yeah. People say I oh, I oh, we, got same, we got Skip, but they're not as good. No, they're Hoiberg's better. A they're big better player not. who steps but, up in big but games. But like proven. I said, we I might. We
2: might look. I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna wrap it up. Okay. We might. This I definitely haven't. We 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 might we might disagree on things, but but what i will say is it doesn't matter how hard you try if you're no good in your position or if you're no good in that midfield well, i would, I would disagree
0: if you, because if you can't, if can't, ask, if can't. If we lack effort right okay everybody has been muted so that we can move on from this segment um that was uh, very interesting and uh, some awkward moments from those watching frankie's hiding behind his sofa probably at this moment in time but it is good to see and uh you know it was a good debate, everyone is now back. So yeah, just put,
2: put, even... a, put a poll up on I'll put a poll up on the podcast and, and share okay, it. And we'll see we'll what put happens. a poll right. up on
0: Twitter and see and see uh you know let's who, see if uh, our fans
1: can wake up.
0: Yeah, and see who, yeah. and who, who <laughs>
2: My boys. I've really got to get back to work, but I love you both. All right, I'll see you soon. <laughs> take well, care, Mary, that was good
0: from you, mate. <laughs> Cheers, Andrew, take care. See you soon. Right, okay. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Um Right, okay, so that was uh, that was explosive, more explosive than I expected it to be. So, uh, yeah, I was really glad like, I feel like both gave a good account of themselves, so yeah. that was good. You know, um, I kind of just stayed out and let you guys uh fight He's it still out. I, you know, I agree, do agree with both points. I agree, you know, that Hoyberg is an interesting player for me because if you watch him at Denmark, he does play a more progressive, uh, a, you know, more free roaming role you know he does attack more a lot more for Denmark but I also agree you know with Dave in the sense of that you know 24 tackles in 19 games regardless of if you're in position or out of position you know is atrocious and that picture that you know that's going around Twitter is not too dissimilar from a goal that Arsenal scored at the Emirates against us when Nuno was in charge and we Mm -hmm. had nobody um Tracking back, and I feel like that's just a replicated picture because it's not too dissimilar of that. So, you know, I'm not saying he's he's blameless. You know, no, let not. me talk about under the likes of a of a Pochettino, right? Under a Pochettino, I believe that he would probably play as a as a DM, yeah, and he's yeah, and you know because I believe we'd probably play four one two one two or something like that under Poch maybe. Uh, we may even play. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of my numbers here. Four, one, two, three. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, four, yeah. One, 2, two one. um You know, That's with his that best player. Position. But you know, he does offer. He does offer something in an attacking role as well. But yeah. I, as I said, you know, you can't shy away from four goals, two assists in 19 games from a player out of position. But you also yeah, can't shy exactly. away with from that. They're the two stats I took from that. Where well, you can't shy away from. You know, 24 tackles won 19 games because that's awful. Um okay, anyway, let's move on. Johnny D's in the chat as well. Arsenal fan giving us some uh some shit. Um yeah, I I, I would read out some of them, but I think you've put emojis in some of them, and so it just reads out the actual emojis. So uh oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so anyway, let's carry on. Um Let's talk a little bit about transfers now. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about with you, Harry. So first one is um, Zaniola. So there are links again. I think there were links in the summer. Links with us again now. From what I was reading last night and watching on Sky Sports News, they were saying that this deal looks extremely unlikely due to the fact that Roma want a permanent deal. Spurs want... um,
1: Learn to buy,
0: you know. Yeah, the Spurs want like a loan with a potential buy, but then they want a minimum of like 35 million buy. And obviously, Spurs won't play, won't pay that. I can't see it happening, to be honest. I think, again, it would be one of those deals that gets done if the price is right. Um, but could be interesting because he's, he's been dropped from the team or the squad this week for Roma this weekend, and also his agent is in London to uh. You know to discuss it. Um shout out to Johnny, We respect you as well. Um but move on to actually what are your thoughts on on that if it if it does come to fruition, Harry the Zaniola.
1: Yeah, I think he's a good player, but we're so slow to these things. Just get on with it. Like with Trossard are we gonna move on to I believe uh, in a minute. We're just so slow and so pathetic for a big club really. And yeah, we are a top four club but we, we really don't act like it sometimes we really don't. Um, and like with Zanilo, you get someone like Chelsea who just go in straight away and show some ambition, which top clubs do do. I understand we've got the money that they have, but they show ambition and you can show ambition without money with uh, not associated with money as well. But, you know, kind of we look around and not being funny, but what, how many days are we? T- 21st today. So, right, we, we're more the majority of the way through the window. We sign nobody. We look We look like they're going to sign nobody because we don't show ambition. You know, we're kind of a bit levy parties. You're sitting around there going, should we buy a player? Should we put an offer? And, you know, instead of getting on with it, right, let's just pay the money, take some risks. Like with Poro, if it doesn't work out, never mind. If it hasn't worked out with lots of different players. Just pay the money and show some ambition because then you can say, turn around and say to fans, look, we're sorry, we tried with this player. didn't work out. You know, we were ambitious. just didn't work out. And I get that, but it's all reluctant. Duh, duh, duh. Not being funny, but we're fifth. It's very unlikely at the moment we're going to get top four unless Newcastle drop off. And, you know, and we could, by the end of the weekend, be six or seven, just to give you an idea. And that that isn't good enough. So it's time to show some ambition. We're, in, we're not in a great place, but we're still in the FA Cup, Champions League. So, you know, if you want to win the trophy, actually back Conte and show some ambition.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paddy, uh, big up to you this morning. Good so morning, folks. I would say the transfer section will be very short. I can't see us signing anyone of worth. The whole thing is a mess. Um, yeah. and johnny has said um the defense is a problem Mares looked like a kid in Candyland. Yeah. you know i couldn't i couldn't agree more i think yeah, that, it's bomb
1: absolute bomb you
0: know, i still don't rate Mares as a you know as a you know as a huge player in the premier league you know i think no, I but um you know he looked like he was you know prime messy in in, uh, in the game the other night um i agree with you i think that you know if spurs want to do a deal let's do a deal let's not you know get on I don't, with it i don't want to use a Bad language, but let's not mess about, right? Um, Let's just, you know, as you say, show something because there's two things I want, two players I want to talk about, right? There's Marcus Mm -hmm. Edwards and Madueke. So both players are Spurs youth players, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played in the academy and both players Spurs got rid of. Chelsea are about to sign Madueke um, on a permanent deal. Um, from, I think he plays for PSV, and unless I'm mistaken. And, um, you know, it just blows my mind that we had these incredible, talented players. You know, Pochettino is the one that said Marcus Edwards' attitude wasn't right. And, um, you know, he was the one that let him go. You know, again, he's now worth about 50 million. Uh, Spurs have a 50% buy. uh, So Tottenham. Have a a sell-on fee for him. Um, And so... If anyone does buy him, well, great, we'll make 25 million. That doesn't affect us when he could be playing first-team football now at Spurs. And again, Madueke to, to sign for Chelsea when he was a Spurs youth player at one point is uh, is crazy to me. And so, you know, I think there's a, there is some worry for me in those departments. But, you know, the, the thing that, that confuses me is, you know, I was never hugely keen on Trossard at Spurs anyway. You know, I thought that, you know, I don't know if if he makes a huge difference to our starting lineup, he's a good bench player to have, and I don't think he adds much to Arsenal either. The one thing I think about it with Arsenal, but Arsenal showed the ambition, decided to pay the money. Spurs decided to try and get it for half the price. Twelve million
1: is. for Trossard. I mean, what was it they got him for? Twenty-seven million. That's a bargain as it is nowadays. Yeah. You're playing twelve million. I mean, that, that that's just seriously. I think I actually think that's an insult. You know, it's just pathetic. Why bother?
0: Yeah, definitely, and you know. He's a strange one for Arsenal because, you know, Arsenal have, you know, branded this. And, and Johnny in the, in the comments, if you still watching, might want to pipe in with this. But Arsenal and Arteta have shown this, you know, faith in youth and, you know, buying young, talented players. I think they're about to buy a 21-year-old um, left centre-back, left footed centre-back uh, from... I can't even remember who, who they're buying him from, but that looks like it's done as well, according to... Yeah, this morning, yeah. ...this morning. Um, but... Uh, Trossard is 28 and so it's a really interesting one I think for Arsenal to, to suddenly say do you know what we're going to buy this 28 um, year old and go against the grain of what we're doing at the moment for the short and medium term as opposed to kind of a long-term uh, prospect and I find that interesting did they um, you know did they just did Arsenal decide to buy him because Spurs were king or were they always tracking Trossard?
1: No, probably always always tracking Trossard they look they might have looked the Spurs are interest and thought, you know, we're gonna win this, it's simple, you know. Trossel's only got got a look one look at the table, look at the owners, you know, look at the difference between where the clubs are. And it's a clever short term signing. It is, you know, getting, they want to win the title. You've got signed the experienced, established players. There's no good buying 19, 18, 19 year olds when you want to win the title. it might be good in three, two, three years' time. But yeah, I think Toss has a good signing. And like with Spurs, he wouldn't have made perhaps a difference to our starting a lineup. And there's other positions which I think we should prioritise. Set, you know, a whole of the fence, centre back, right wing back, maybe even a, a creative midfielder. You know, there's other position, goalkeeper that we need to prioritise. Uh, but Trossard for for 27 million isn't bad, and you think Son's not in great form at the moment. And we've only got to get an injury to Kane, Kulisevsky, Son, even like Richarlison again, and all of a sudden we need a forward. So I think it was was another missed opportunity. Bidding 12 million, people say, Oh, we've tried. Bidding twelve million. I mean, that, that's an insult. Twenty-seven million you're taking because, let's say, Arsenal happen to the end of the season, they might even sell him in the summer, right? And they're going to get more back, more than twenty-seven million back for him. They already made money, so that's another missed opportunity. I'm surprised because Levy should have I thought Levy would look at that and go, "Oh, cheap player, you know, we'll go for him." But to try and twenty twelve million. I mean, I think that's an insult.
0: Yeah. No. You know, I, I do agree. Um You know, one of the things about this that does concern me and about the lack of transfer activity is, do you think, I'll try and make it quite quick, do you think the issues and investigations with Juventus and Fabio Paratici are becoming an issue for Spurs in terms of doing business this window?
1: Yeah, I don't think that's a problem. I think that's one of the problems. You've got to remember, you've got a manager who hasn't committed his long-term future by signing a contract, and rightly so, by the way, because Conte, I'm going to look at it in both of their perspectives. Conte, why would he sign a new contract uh, when you haven't been backed? And, you know, you could look at where we are now. Does he really want to be a part of this? You know, you can't blame him for that. He ha- if he's he doesn't know he's going to be backed or not. And same with Levy, to be fair. You know, don't often, at the moment, defend Levy. But in Levy's defence... Why would he back a manager who hasn't committed, you know, long term? So I see both sides of it. I think we're stuck and you've got the Paratici issue, just typical. We've got a lot of problems on and off the pitch as we speak. Uh, And the club is is in a mess despite us looking like people look at the table and go, oh, Spurs are fifth, you know, in the Champions League, around the 16, you know, uh, still in the FA Cup. If you look at the problem, you know, with the owners off the pitch, issues with Paratici protests as we speak, Um, and our form there is a lot of problems with this club it has been patched up by fifth which isn't actually too bad but by the the end of the weekend if Brighton win and Fulham beat us we'd be seventh so it could easily change
0: yeah that's that's really interesting um you know I didn't even consider consider that because then the league you know the league and the season looks completely different I don't Mm -hmm. want to talk too much about Paratici and Juventus because I don't actually know too much about it I was reading uh last night that it looks like he's gonna get two and a half year ban, but that is from Italian football, did I read? Correct. And not English football.
1: Yeah, I, I got I got told this morning um that um at the moment it's just it should just be in Italy, but that they're looking into it that it can change. So uh, at the moment I believe it's just just in Italy. But it is a bit of a problem because it leaves questions around and more questions about Levy, you know, why did he hire someone under investigation? Didn't he do due diligence? Uh, so that that is a question and it is um I can understand people's concerns. Um but at the moment I don't you know the band's not in England so hopefully that should be okay but that that can quite easily be um overturned.
0: Yeah definitely and uh, you know I see I see um I see Levy looking into that now. And if that could be the case, I see them parting company with him rather than having him, you know, at the club. Yeah, I, I, I,
1: can, I can understand. It's frustrating because I can understand that, you know. Yeah. And I, I feel like people have
0: said there's been a lack of, you know, videos of Paratici on the phone and, you know, lack of, you know, you know, those videos that we see of him at games, you know, on the phone. And it could be that reason why, you know, it could uh, be- yeah.
1: Yeah, I said that to my dad this morning, actually, because as I said, we went New Year's Day and I had for, as a birthday present the Tunnel Club. So I actually sat just behind him. Okay. I actually had a, a very brief conversation with him. And he, he, though he seemed seemed happy, he was on the phone a lot and he was um, constantly on the move, like something was bothering him. I assumed at the time, well, transfer window started He's a busy man, but he, like, he couldn't settle, he couldn't sit. He looked like a man who was bothered, even on the bench, by every slightest little thing. Um, so perhaps that was that. Perhaps he's on the phone you know, trying to sort that out. Who knows? But yeah, he, when I saw him, although it was nice having a conversation with, uh, obviously watching the whole game, he was he was uh, bothered, a man who was bothered by something. And I just assumed it was the busy time of year. But if you think about it, it, it does make sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, right. Okay. So let's move on to a quick preview of this weekend's game. So it's Tottenham against Fulham. Um, again, should be a game, you know, in previous seasons in, in the attitude of football and, you know,
1: We'd always win.
0: You should look at this game and say Spurs will win. Yeah, three points. Don't see anything different. Does your attitude now change and say, do you know what? We could get beat here.
1: Yeah, it does change. I look at the game now and I go, stupid as it may sound, I'd take a point already just because we could we could get battered. We're playing up against someone like Mitrovic, and we've got players who can hardly can hardly see the ball, let alone head it, for example. So um, yeah, I'm concerned going into that game, and I say it now I will take a point because if we we get battered by Fulham like Everton did and um, like um, Villa did, it was the end of Gerrard, and it really could be the end of concept. if we get. 2-3-0, I think Conte's future is in trouble. So I'd I, I take the point now, away from home against Fulham, a team that's in a good place right now, and people go, oh, it's Fulham, but they're in a good place as a club under Marco Silva. You know, Fulham have never been, I don't think, for a long time in, in such a good place. Uh, and away from home, I take take a point, you know, we, that means we haven't lost to them this season, and they've beaten clubs around them, Fulham. Um, so I, I would take I take a point now, and I can't, I can't even see us getting that. I can see, see Mitrovic already you know, scoring a hat-trick,
0: yeah, you know, that's it. Um, you know, the only thing that I look at is I don't really worry too much about Fulham um, all over the pitch. You know, there are, I don't believe they have as, as good players, as good a squad as we do all over the pitch. Yes, they have, you know, important players. And yes, they have an ex-Spurs player uh, or Loney uh, playing for them as well, uh, who actually scored uh, scored the winner the other day, didn't he? Carlos Vinicius, should, and uh, still you know, have, yeah. have a soft spot for him. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, well. yeah. Um, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick, you know, stick my neck on the line, and you know, and say that we will win. Uh, we'll get back to winning ways, three points, and uh, the season rolls on. But I want to touch on this ridiculous comment from Johnny that says FA as an Arsenal fan would potentially relegate Arsenal into the fourth division in such circumstances. Spurs remain the only team not to be disadvantaged by referees. Okay. FA. We had this Uh, last weekend. seems like we're back. I'm not oh, sure Sorry, happened. I missed all of that. I don't know what
1: happened. The Wi-Fi yeah, so uh, anyway,
0: I find, uh, find that a mind-blowing uh, comment. But anyway, um, let's yeah. move on to some score predictions. So score predictions for the Fulham game then, Harry. Stick your neck on the line.
1: 2-0 Fulham, uh, Mitrovic, Brace.
0: Oh, my God. Just gone for a Spurs loss straight off the bat.
1: Conte to be sacked Tuesday morning as well. You, you actually
0: go. reckon that will happen? Yeah, no, I
1: think I think if we get battered through like 3-4-0... Uh, maybe even two. I, I think I think leave a look at that and go, oh, I think Conte's the problem. No, mate, you're the problem. So I think, uh, no, I think we're loose. I seriously, I'm really worried. I'm actually more worried about it than um uh, the city the city game. It may sound stupid, but Fulham them away in a good position. We're not in a good good place as a club, and I, I can't just get anything out of it. You well, got to be honest. Um
0: Yes, that's blown my mind. Um, okay, I'm going to go uh, 2-1 Spurs win. I think that we'll go 1-0 down in the first half, you know, classic Spurs. Um, and I think we'll rally the troops. And I, I can't see it. I can't see us losing. You know, I don't. also can't see Levy sacking Conte. He's so tight with money, and the guy's contract is up in the summer. Why would he bother? Of course, you know, he will look at, you know, a lot of, of Champions League revenue for not getting in the Champions League. But then he could also look at the fact that if we actually progress against AC Milan, then there's more revenue coming for reaching that stage. So, um, I, I, you know, I don't see Levy sacking him. but uh, It wouldn't surprise
1: me, though. We've had it before. At,
0: but if you look at the recent stats, you know, for Spurs, in our last 10 games, it's horrendous looking at it. it. Is, yeah. like that. And for me... Before and post-World Cup. People need to start waking up to the fact that What does Conte offer this Spurs team? You know, what does he really offer? Because right now, I don't see anything. I don't see anything that he offers that, you know, another manager wouldn't Mm -hmm. offer. But it could be interesting because I also read yesterday that um, uh, the people behind Tuchel said that uh, Tuchel is not a viable option for Spurs. Um, Why would you come to our
1: club and the mess we're in at the moment, you know, for example? Yeah, what would you? I don't
0: know why you'd want another checkbook manager to be quite honest. I, don't, I believe you would want back him. I believe you'd want financial support. I believe that he would want all of those things and I don't believe that we will offer it to him.
1: Yeah, can I just say, if you don't mind, Luke, on that, you know, if you're going to get world-class managers, we touched on that last weekend, but I just wanted to make it clear again. Like, if you're going to hire world-class managers like Mourinho and like Conte, he was, by the way, serial winners, proven winners big name, win trophies, wherever they go, then you've got to back them. I wouldn't have a problem with going with someone like Potter or even Ryan Mason and not backing them and doing like Arsenal done with uh, Arteta, but eventually backing them. I wouldn't have a problem with that. i am spending no money in the transfer window if we had someone like Potter or Mason. I'd get that. Thinking for the long term, buying for the long term, you know, I'd feel more confident. It's the fact that you're getting world-class manager, it'd be Tuchel cool next, then it'd be Potter after that. You know, it will keep going. Uh, it'd be like a cycle. I can, I can see it happening. It's Chelsea cycle. We get them when they pass their best as well. But I I, I just, honestly, I can't see it. And and Tuchel won't solve the problem. Poch won't solve the problem. And I don't think Conte's the problem either. You know, he needs to be back. He's a world-class manager. You can't question what Conte's doing at Spurs when it's worked, wherever he's gone. And, you know, people leave you must... doesn't leave you sit there night and go, am I the problem? Or like, why is these managers one, one, one elsewhere? One, but But here... You know, I think I think just look at that. I think you, in a minute, you know, after the Fulham game, you look at it and go, Oh, context the problem. No, mate, it's you.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a very, very, very What's the reality. It's sad. Yeah, it is sad. It is sad, but look, you know, it is what it is. We have to keep positive, we have to move on because Boys, otherwise, no, what no. else do we have? And despair and sorrow, and that's not what I want. So, um, you know, yeah. let's keep positive for the game on Monday night. And uh, let's hope that Spurs can can bring us some joy for next week's show. I'll be surprised. Because, let's hope so. Yeah, because hopefully we will be joined back by Dave and also by Winnie um, to chat all things, you know, Spurs and what has happened in the last week. Um, you know, Dave's come in and said 2-1 Spurs, same as me. So good job, Dave. Um, and, you know, if you have enjoyed the show and you have enjoyed watching us, you know, please do follow. You know, we do have heated debates. But we also have you know a lot of other things that happen on this channel so um we really really do appreciate your support we do it all for free and uh you know we we appreciate every comment that we get on every show regardless of who you support regardless of what you say we appreciate the fact that you're spending your time to input on this channel so thank you all very very much uh please like the channel subscribe to the show follow us on all podcast platforms and don't forget to leave us a five star review um so before we finish harry um Again, another epic show from you. Um, how can everybody find you?
1: Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, you can find me on all socials most actively on Twitter. You've got my handle there. When try pointing to it, always point in the opposite direction. There you go. That's, that's my Twitter handle there. But you'll probably see me uh well probably usually maybe I suppose you've most seen me most active uh on Scarfy Spursal, which is why I created uh, in 2021 an independent um, hub for like Spurs news, Transfer news, uh, and asking the fans uh, questions. It's uh, you know, making progress at the moment. So you mainly see, mainly know me, um, from that, yes, but you can. And Scarface First is a multi uh platform, um, so yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Perfect. You can also find me at Luke underscore Park Lane, but more importantly, make sure you follow the podcast at okay. Park Lane Pod on all social media, um, and Park Lane Podcast on your, um, listening podcasts, so thank you all very very much for joining we really do appreciate you and we will see you next week with hopefully some good news to bring you and it won't be all doom and gloom but until next Maybe time <laughs> all we can say is come on you spurs
1: come on you. <laughs>